This podcast was recorded Thursday, January 11th at 10.40 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Like this time, Congress and the White House will come up with a plan to keep the government open, a plan that lasts longer than three months. Let's talk politics. This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters, those shrewd politicians who ply their trade in the halls of the Statehouse. I'm Mike Thompson. Coming up in the podcast, the shrewd use of bingo technology provides us with our Snollygoster of the week. But first... Governor DeWine's bold stand with parents and doctors of transgender minors may be just that, a stand, not Ohio law. This week, the House voted to override the governor's veto of a bill that would ban many forms of gender-affirming care for minors and bar transgender girls and women from participating on female sports teams in high schools and colleges in Ohio. The vote was largely along party line. Representative Gary Click, the sponsor of the bill, urged lawmakers to override the veto. I believe our governor has good intentions. However, good intentions do not save lives or protect women. Good policy does. Click argues the treatments on minors will protect children from treatments they may later regret. Studies on the long-term effects of treatments like puberty blockers are inconclusive. Democratic State Rep. Jessica Miranda accused her colleagues of ignoring professionals who claim transgender care saves lives. You are literally killing our children. The veto override effort now moves on to the state Senate. The Senate passed the bill with a veto-proof majority last year. Joining us now for a look at the nuances of this debate and what may lie ahead in the Senate is Ohio Public Radio's Joe Ingalls. Joe, welcome back to Snollygoster. Thanks for having me, Mike. Joe, the governor tried to find, you know, a middle ground here with executive orders. One of those orders would have banned transgender surgeries for minors, which do not happen, at least very, very rare if they do happen. And there's no evidence they're happening in Ohio. But anyway, he he met he, he, he laid out those executive orders banning the surgeries, trying to find a middle ground. But lawmakers did not go along with him. Right. Right. And first, I want to make sure that we know that the Ohio Children's Hospital Association and the children's hospitals that have testified say they don't do any any gender reassignment surgery on anyone under 18. And I could not find any evidence of that in my reporting of this. Yes. But uh, yes, they have um, in the House, they have overridden uh, Governor DeWine's veto. It now goes to the Senate later this month. Did did any House members waver? Did they did anyone change their votes? Was anyone tempted to say, you know, that what the governor is proposing satisfies our concerns about uh, permanent uh, possible permanent health care effects of of gender affirming care? You know, the governor sent over a message uh, that he wanted the lawmakers to, um, you know, get before they voted on this. And they actually uh, went out of their way during the session to not read that message aloud. Uh, They didn't want to um, hear that from the governor. And I think a lot of the lawmakers uh, felt like, hey, he's overstepping his boundaries. We're the ones who get to make laws, not the governor. And they felt upset about that. And um, 
you know, if you listen to Representative Gary Click, he says, you know, I've spent two years working on this bill. Um, you know, it's something that I went in depth with and the governor spends a couple of weeks and he thinks that he knows more, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so uh, a lot of the lawmakers felt like the bill was well sourced and that better sourced than the governor. And they uh, went ahead and, and the Republicans who voted for it in the first place, by and large, went ahead and overrode the veto. Now, as you said, the science on the long term effects of things like puberty blockers and, and some hormones is inconclusive. There just really is not enough data out there. And some some countries have placed restrictions on this care because of that. But the science and the stats are pretty clear that trans kids do have a higher rate of suicide uh, than other ch other children. And that was the that was the argument from from parents, from healthcare professionals and advocates of the governor's veto that do not want this bill to become law. Right. We know that, um, especially teenagers, it, you know, if you're a cisgender teenager, you, it's still difficult to be a teenager, number one. And then when you add being a transgender teenager to that, it's very difficult for a lot of these kids. We hear numerous reports from um, their parents, from the kids themselves, from their teachers saying, hey, these kids are often bullied in class. And after the uh, meeting yesterday, I uh, was talking to some people um, who were transgender and asking them what their thoughts were. And they felt they were bullied again by the legislature. Um, it's, it's very difficult for uh, these kids and some of them do resort to suicide. And I, I think that's you know something that keeps coming up in these committee meetings. And when you hear testimony, it keeps coming up because um, you know, people are really worried that if these um, you know these kids don't get the right kind of uh, counseling and health care, things that they need, that they will commit suicide um, because of it. So mm -hmm. that's that's the major complaint that we hear is it's just not in the well-being of a, a child to uh, say, no, we can't do anything until you're 18. Now, this bill does not ban, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, this bill does not ban gender-affirming psychological care. Uh, it, does it, does not, not. it does not ban, for instance, trans children from wearing clothing that aligns with their gender identity. This is just on the use of hormones and surgery, which we have, again, said that it does not happen. Yeah, and, you know, uh, the children's hospitals, as far as the medical part of it, prescribing medicine, uh, two-thirds of the cases, they don't prescribe medicine. But the thing is that, um, this, as, as you listen to the children's hospitals and the doctors uh, talk about this, healthcare is not just in your mind. It's not just in your body. It's a total, uh, total and complete thing. And um, that the endocrinologists, that the people who are involved with the physical part of it need to be part of that upfront, you know, counseling that it needs to be an all around approach. And, you know, you can say, okay, well, you can have a counselor, you can have counseling. But if those other uh, people aren't involved in the process, that counseling is going to look very different. And, um, you know, they, they're saying that, you know, people who actually understand the science of this, uh, need to be involved from the beginning with the counseling. Mm -hmm. You know, the, this affects a very small percentage of the, of the population, though the mm -hmm. number of children 
identifying as transgender has grown, you know, fairly rapidly in recent years. Perhaps it's because gender identity and acceptance of transgender folks has become it's become more common more and the attitudes of society have changed was that is that what prompted lawmakers to part of the reason why they they were supporters of this ban on minor care uh, were pushing this bill is because they see the increasing number of transgender children in in society yeah, I think that's a factor, but I also think it's a factor when you look uh, nationwide at some of the conservative groups that are out there that are trying to push legislation, this kind of legislation is at the top of the list. So uh, it's also satisfying, you know, some of the um, funders of these conservative candidates um, and making them happy that this kind of law is being put in place. Um, but the thing is, it still has to go through the Senate. Mm -hmm. And if it does go into law, um, it's pretty certain that there, someone's going to push back and file a lawsuit at some point. Yeah. Over it. So, you know, who knows if it'll stand. And, and you know, Ohio is uh, either the first or one of the first in the nation to adopt this kind of law. So it yeah. will be challenged, likely. Yeah. What what, what is this? Prospects in the Senate is there this as we mentioned it did pass the original uh, bill passed with a veto-proof majority again along partisan lines. Is there any chance that some senators might change their vote that the governor might be able to persuade them because if they were to vote to uh, up to uh, uphold the or not override the veto the the law would would die the bill would die right. Right. Um, but I think, you know, the, the House is a pretty good indication. We didn't see any departure in the House. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if we're not seeing it in the House, I mean, you know, there's always a chance that the governor or that people, funders, uh, political donors might weigh in in a way that changes the senators' minds in the next couple of weeks. But um, you, you never know uh, what's going to happen. But I think it's a pretty good indication that the House went ahead and did this. Uh, the Senate will probably do the same thing, but we don't know that for sure. Yeah. So, Senate President Matt Huffman said that he supports he supports overriding the veto. Exactly. Is the governor? I mean, the governor. Tech, you know, he's not running for re-election, so I wouldn't say he took a big risk, but he took a stand that goes against his party. Is he putting any kind of? I don't want to say pressure, but is he lobbying? Some Republican senators hard to change their votes. I'm thinking about there has to be a few Republican senators who are not seeking reelection, who are not trying to bounce over to the House. Yeah, um, there are. Um, but, you know, whether they will step out and, um, you know, you've got to remember there's only seven Democrats in the Ohio Senate. Yeah. So the Democrats will likely uh, vote, you know, not to override. But to get to the majority in the Senate, it's it's a longer haul than it really is in the House. Interesting, yeah. Uh, just because they're so overpowered, so you're going to have to have a lot of people um, in the Senate depart mm -hmm. from where they were before, and that's what makes it even more difficult. Yeah, you know, on guns and abortion, Republicans at the State House they're on the opposite side of public opinion. On this issue, though, they are not. Some sixty percent of Ohioans. 60% of Americans in polls, recent polls, they favor restrictions on gender care for minors, and they they favor uh, banning trans women and trans girls from female sports teams. So on this issue, they do have public opinion on their side. The opinion might be changing at some point, but right now it's on their side. 
Yeah, it is on their side, but that's also, you've got to remember that that's a poll based on what people understand at this moment. And this is something that is um, relatively new that a lot of people don't understand. And when they, uh, you know, get more information, sometimes they change their minds. We've seen that with a lot of different issues. Um, and, you know, it certainly is true with this one that as people get information, they start to understand it differently. Um, that doesn't mean every mind gets changed. And that certainly doesn't mean that it changes the, you know, skews what we're seeing in polling. But it does mean that over time, this um, polling is likely not to hold up yeah. because oh, yeah. people are going to meet more. I mean, think about it, Mike. Back, uh, I remember 20 years ago, uh, the view of gay people in general was way different than it is now. The gay marriage polling. ban, the gay marriage right. ban in 2004 lost 63% right. to 37%, if my memory mm -hmm. served me correctly. And then in a, a less than a generation, it turned completely around. We're now 65 to 70 percent of Americans and Ohioans support gay marriage. And it, the, the opinion can change on, on this issue, as we have as we have seen there. So that, right. But right now, um, the opinion is on, the, on that side. There was a primary in March, Joe, in March on March 19th. So that has to weigh here, because even if a state rep or a state senator was thinking about changing their vote, going along with the governor's compromise, they might not because they would risk, a, you know, a primary opponent using it against them in the next, you know, two months. Actually, the, the deadline for uh, candidates to be on the ballot has passed yes. now. So maybe some of these candidates don't have an opponent who uh, is credible, who could beat them. And that that might change the way they look at things. But uh, for the most part, you know, um, it, it's expected, at least, that uh, this has a good chance, this veto override has a good chance of passing in the Senate. Yeah, and then, as you mentioned, Joe, it goes to the courts. Legal challenges to uh, transgender minor care bans in Indiana, Kentucky, and Arkansas are on hold. And But the, the appeals court allowed a transgender care ban uh, in Tennessee to go forward. No doubt the Ohio ban will be challenged and then... Uh, We'll see what happens from there. It's supposed to go in. Mm -hmm. If the Senate does override the veto, the, the law would go into effect 90 days from there. But uh, Joe Ingalls from Ohio Public Radio, thanks very much for joining us today on Snellagoster. Thanks for having me, Mike. We'll be right back. This new year, LifeKit wants to help you succeed because everyone needs a little help being human. It can seem so overwhelming. You're not alone. Who can I commit to being? If you want to do something, then just do it. Just take that first step. Great advice every week. Listen to Life Kit from NPR. Time now for our Snellagoster of the Week segment, where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the past week. This week, it goes to the city council in the city of Columbus. Columbus City Council recently went from seven members to nine members, and each member must live in a different district within the city. They still get elected citywide, but they have to live in the district they, quote, represent, though in theory they could fail to get even a single vote from their district and still win the seat on city council because they got their votes from other parts of the city. But that's not why Columbus City Council is our Snollagoster of the Week. It's how they determined how long each member would serve. It gets a little complicated, so stay with me here. Council members serve four-year terms. Under the old system, the terms were staggered. 
So not every city council member was up for re-election every four years. That makes sense. Half would be up one year, then two years later, the other half would be up. Again, makes sense. With the new charter, which was approved by voters, by the way, under the new charter, all of the members were starting fresh. So unless they did something, they would all be up for re-election in four years. And they didn't want that. So they had to pick which members would serve just two years before seeking re-election and which would be able to serve four years. So they borrowed the method used in the very high-tech method used in bingo halls. They used ping-pong balls. Four members' balls came up with two-year terms. Others, five others, lucked out with balls that came up as four-year terms. Remarkably simple, but remarkably shrewd. For that, Columbus City Council gets our Snolligoster of the Week Award. You know, we probably should use ping-pong balls for other issues. You know, Supreme Court rulings? Nah, maybe not. Anyway, that'll do it for this week's edition of Snolligoster, which is part of the NPR Network. As always, please give us a kind review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts that helps build listening to this podcast. And, of course, just tell your friends about us. For our student producer, Katie Genius, our digital producer, Michael DeBonis, and our audio engineer, Dalton Jones, I'm Mike Thompson for Snollegoster from WOSU Public Media. Music